if you are unusual, you have some character trait that is unusual for a STEM professional, you are integral to the process of changing what STEM is and for whom and how. STEM is what you can make it. I want people to know that. Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Today, we'll be chatting with Amber Wendler and Dr. Shaz Zamore, co-editors of an exciting book project assembling the stories of Black women and non-binary scientists and nature enthusiasts across various career stages, research interests, and geographic locations. Future Dr. Wendler is a newly minted PhD candidate within the Department of Biological Sciences at Virginia Tech having completed her Bachelor's of Biology at Boston University. Dr. Zamore, or Dr. Z, is a teaching assistant professor at the University of Colorado Boulder, having completed their Bachelor's in Biological Sciences at Cornell University and their PhD in Neurobiology and Behavior at the University of Washington, Seattle. I am so excited to catch up with Amber and Dr. Z today, and as one of the contributors for this really exciting project, I'm keen to find out more about the origin story of this upcoming book. Let's start there. How did the idea for this amazing book first come about? Amber, why don't you take that one? Okay. How this all started was, I was actually featured on a She Explores podcast in fall of 2020, just talking about some of my experiences outdoors, observing wildlife. And soon after that podcast was released, an editor from Mountaineers Books reached out to me with many nice things to say about it and saying that she hadn't heard a story quite like mine before and asked if I ever considered writing a book. To be honest... I hadn't considered writing a book before. (laughs) I was extremely flattered that she thought I could do that and that I had a worthy story to tell, but I didn't think that my story was all that unique. I knew there were other people like me with similar stories to tell, and um, I was also just about a year into my PhD, feeling pretty overwhelmed by the work I had to do for that, so... I took some time before replying to this to think, and the more I thought about it, I've realized how great would it be to have a collection of stories from Black women and non-binary nature enthusiasts and researchers, and I asked the editor what she thought about that, and she was very interested in that idea, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was super excited by that, but it seemed like... Uh, massive undertaking, and I knew that I needed a co-editor to get this done. So the first person that came to mind was Dr. Z. How Dr. Z and I met was actually during organizing for Black Birders Week, uh, just that summer prior in 2020. Dr. Z actually did a postdoc at Virginia Tech where I'm doing my graduate program. So, and we We're both on this panel together in that summer, um, highlighting Black scientists. So they were the first person that came to mind. I'm like, they would be great. I really hope that they're interested. And um, I reached out and they were interested and just as excited as I was. Um, So we submitted a more formal proposal to Mountaineers Books, which was approved. 
and that was like early 2021 and here we are yeah almost about a year later what a journey (laughs) yeah (laughs) and the goal is to have this work published fairly soon in 2023 if i remember correctly did you have a person or an audience in mind when you first started thinking about this book project not really (laughs) so i had amber amber approached me about the book and i was familiar with mountaineers books i actually have a couple books of theirs so that was Mm. a pretty awesome kind of connection that happened Um, The readership for Mountaineers books is quite different from kind of the people that at least I had written for before. And I think that we're pretty used to communicating with when it comes to science communication. Mm. So it's it's really shaped really as people have submitted uh, their essays and their pieces uh, to get an idea of what they want to say. And then once you figure out kind of what they want to say, who you want to say it to comes pretty naturally. Uh, So it's shifted. Uh, So now we kind of describe it as we're having a dinner and we're making all of our own food from our own cultures, ideally for people from our identity shared space to come. But Mm -hmm. there are extra seats and anybody is welcome to come and have this meal with us. Come enjoy this with us. And so I guess now I think in our introduction, we're planning to say it's for black people and the people who love us. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And what are some of the challenges that you both have faced as editors? I can't imagine. As as a contributor, you have the challenge of putting together a piece. As an editor, you have to make sure that the piece is very well thought out, that it's cohesive, that it makes a lot of sense, that there's a nice arc. And there's also having to deal with everyone's feelings about their very personal pieces. How have you navigated that and what other challenges have come up as the the last couple of months have gone by yeah uh amber do you want to start or i can yeah if you want to start i can get into some of the other challenges maybe sure so i think one of the things that came up uh when we were talking with kate uh the publisher is really how vulnerable this book is and how vulnerable these pieces are um and then helping people navigate i think especially in in academia especially when you're so used to doing science writing the times when you talk about yourself are almost always talking about your trauma. And Mm. it's one of the biggest things that we ran into is coaching people away from sort of making trauma porn, which is I think Mm. in academia still very much a standard for getting access to more resources or to apply your need for additional support. It usually comes off that way, whether that's the goal or not. Um, And so coaching them away from that and saying, you know, you don't have to relive all of this. You can just say how you felt. You can say what your embodiment was. Um, That was pretty big. And just hearing, just seeing the raw, how raw these emotions are uh, and realizing that a lot of these contributors, a lot of their trauma is very much unhealed. And so protecting them and making sure that this isn't, you know, being vulnerable while also being safe uh, is probably one of the bigger things that came up. Wow. For uh, Amber, have you experienced any challenges as you've navigated this editorial space? Yeah, going off of what Dr. Z was saying, another thing that we were trying to coach people through was really taking ownership and authority over what it is that they were saying. Mm-hmm. Like not being afraid to be considered an expert yeah. in their research or their 
outdoor activity that they're doing, oftentimes our stories are being silenced and, and not the ones that are being featured. And there can be imposter syndrome yeah. that comes into play. Dr. Z and I are reading all these incredible stories and we're like, people are selling themselves short. Yeah. <laughs> we really are just trying to tell people not to be afraid to showcase their strengths and... And celebrate the the generational, the current sort of cultural knowledge that they have. Like, I think, I think mm-hmm. that comes into play too, that uh, certain appearances, certain cultures, certain histories are aligned with expertise and, or, or inability or knowledge to go, you know, what your family has learned in the generations that they've been fishermen, for example, mm-hmm. is just as valuable, if not more valuable than the common knowledge that is usually like European dominated. So mm. yeah, definitely, definitely like that cultural value. Yeah. I'm wondering now if there is anything you feel you've learned about yourselves as you compile these stories. Is there something that you've taken away from what you've read and gone, wow, I want to apply this in my own life, or I see this differently? Or have there been personal lessons? Uh, it's a different kind of self-reflection. That's definitely... Mm. It is fortified, just kind of going off of what we were just talking about, having confidence and knowledge. It's definitely fortified my ability to say, I am a snowboarding expert. I am as good as the professionals. I'm doing all of that wild stuff. I could talk about it, you know? (laughs) Um, And then I think it's also just, just reading a lot of the different pieces and seeing kind of the habits and how we talk about our stories, just celebrate 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 more um Mm -hmm. all of those wins every single game that like i have made the community has made my network has made like all of that needs like just really relish in it because we have this tendency of really focusing on the problems because they're so big and so grave uh but we really got to spend that energy to to enjoy it yeah i couldn't agree more and i think Something that I've been trying to prioritize is, you know, having a work-life balance, having Mm. projects that I'm passionate about outside of my, you know, PhD research. Mm. And so this project was something that's very excited to me and just reminding myself that I can take the time to enjoy this. And, you know, the community has been so amazing. Mm-hmm. sometimes you don't realize what it is that you're lacking and this just you know yeah lifted me up and I didn't realize how much I needed this community yeah. and just the support and empowerment and realizing all the shared experiences and we have such a diverse group from all different career stages and mm-hmm. Also realizing, you know, some things that other people experience that I I have also experienced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, before we continue, I did want to take a moment to say thank you to the both of you for, you know, putting the, basically the casting call out there (laughs) for all of us to have the opportunity to not only create this community, but also to tell these stories that we guard 
very heavily just because they are, they're very, you know, private and there's a hesitance. I know personally, so I'll speak from my own perspective, the hesitance of being vulnerable before a large group of people. It's, it's a daunting experience, but both of you standing at the helm of this ship has offered us such a sense of calm and safety in being able to tell our stories without feeling like we have to alter them or hide any more than we would in in other spaces. So thank you. I do want to say thank you. And I'd love for you both to tell our audience about who you are as people and what you study and what you do for fun, because I think that's such an important element of why this book came to be to begin with. So Dr. Z, how about you go first? Who are you? What are you? And what do you love? All right, let's see. First and foremost, I'm a a big kid grown up, which is what my godchild calls me. (laughs) If I were to identify in any way, I am a big kid grown up. Um, I'm always looking for ways to engage inner children in adults. Mm -hmm. So my inner child meeting with your inner child, my research and training is in neuroscience and I consider myself a neuroengineer and STEM communicator. Uh, Those two merge quite beautifully. (laughs) Um, So a neuroengineer is somebody who designs and builds tools that helps us to explore, understand, augment, or expand our sensory or cognitive experience. Uh, So I've worked with all sorts of different animals in all sorts of different environments and uh, locations. I've worked Mm -hmm. with rats, looking at the rat whisker system, uh, building a test arena for uh, their whiskers. Um, I've worked with flying snakes, making a VR immersive arena to look at visually guided behaviors. (laughs) Um, And that brought me to doing STEM outreach kind of first and foremost. uh, And now that's what I do as my career. Um, So I am a professor, but I also do have this title of being uh, the STEM outreach coordinator for the Atlas Institute. Um, And so my research now is actually switched to people. So I make uh, STEM kits for um, all sorts of different children, really trying to focus on making an intersectionally accessible uh, learning tool, which is really just Mm -hmm. turned how we think about informal STEM education right on its head. Uh, So it's pretty fun. I get to make toys all day and also talk (laughs) about neuroscience, which are my two favorite things. (laughs) Yay. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. And then I guess just really quickly to tie in outdoors, um, I'm outdoors all the time. I live out in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the mountains in Colorado. Uh, It's something I've longed to do for years and years and years. (laughs) Um, I'm a backcountry snowboarder. Uh, I've also, gosh, what else do I do? A lot of hiking, camping. Uh, I have this Jeep that I'm trying to, my nemesis right now, (laughs) trying to, set it up to be an overland jeep so i can go out and uh be on a trail for five six days and do like really long tours and things like that uh so i've been a backcountry snowboarder for 13 years 10 years backcountry snowboarding 13 years snowboarding uh so i've been at it for quite some time and i've changed my whole life so i could do it i love it (laughs) similar to dr z i also love being outdoors and i'm grateful that my research gets to bring me outdoors. So I currently, the research project I'm working on for my PhD is um, I'm looking at differences in breeding behavior for a bird species in Puerto Rico. So seeing how environment influences their behavior, 
um, comparing rainforest and dry forest environments. And so, yeah, I get to spend five months out of the year outside um, watching birds, which is pretty cool. I also do enjoy recreational birding, hiking, backpacking, mm. kayaking, basically anything outdoors, trail running. Yeah. I'll be there. Um, and <laughs> I've, I enjoy traveling, so I've gone on many road trips across the United States. Um, I feel grateful that I've been able to see many places. So currently for my research, it's in Puerto Rico, but I've also done research in Alaska, Ecuador, Belize. Wow. Wonderful. I did want to circle back to this idea of community because it is such a common thread in all of our lives and seeking out safe spaces. How do you go about creating a supportive community specifically in the academic environment? Because it can be particularly challenging there. Mm. Yeah, creating community can be difficult. I joined Twitter in like early 2020 and mm. that was wonderful for me to see yeah. a whole bunch of other black scientists yeah. you know so I just would message people directly and be like let's chat <laughs> and that seemed to work really well because then I got connected with other people who connected me with other people and mm. we have group chats and meetups but within my own department there are not as many black people so in that environment, I really had to seek out a community. And actually, just recently, all the Black students in my department and also related departments have been meeting up pretty regularly. So this was just a community that we created for ourselves. We all found each other and uh, started a group chat and started meeting up. So yeah. I would definitely say if it doesn't exist, then don't be afraid to create a community or reach out to other people to help. Yeah. There's always people around, even when we're like, you know, in the woodworks, you know, so we're always around. So if you put out that signal, I think undoubtedly someone's going to be like, Oh, Hey, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, creating supportive community has fallen to K-12, thinking about the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm in this position where I'm faculty. I have mm -hmm. some sway over what the culture is like um, and really just preparing students to be ready for the culture in an honest way. I think yeah. we have this very pie in the sky. Oh yeah, anybody could be a scientist. Anybody can go into mm -hmm. academia but then you don't prepare them adequately for the fact that it yeah. is not ready for you yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I feel like if I knew if somebody was just like real with me, it was just like, listen, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have your work and that's going to be hard. Then you're going to have these things on top of it. Mm -hmm. I would have, I think I would have probably had a spared myself at least a year of grief. <laughs> and then when it comes to sort of the older, like higher education, I think just being vulnerable, sharing how I'm feeling when things affect me, like uh, like what's going on in Russia right now, <laughs> uh, just being honest about it and creating spaces for people to bring their emotions in academia, mm -hmm. a thing that is, you know, so taboo, um, has definitely helped. Uh, it's, it's amazing how many people will walk through that door when you make it for them. 
And then regardless of what our identity is, regardless of what our background is, uh, finding shared experiences, uh, shared struggles, shared wins, you know, the sense of touch is the one sense that we need to survive. Everything else doesn't really, we don't really need it, but touch mm -hmm. is it. And so the more we talk about how things feel uh, in an experience, the more connected we're going to be. Yeah. My last question is a bit of a big one. And I, it just popped into my mind as both of you were speaking. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, as uh, a scientist and researcher in academia, mm. often how people measure success is through publications and grant funding. Yeah. Very research-oriented metrics. Mm. And while I am very passionate about my research and want to succeed in that area, I would definitely like my legacy to be beyond my research. Mm. You know, if people don't remember my research, that's okay. <laughs> I want people to remember mentorship yeah. and advocating for marginalized groups and removing systemic barriers in place that prevent Black people, Indigenous people, people mm -hmm. of color from entering and staying in academia, from gaining access to necessary resources and knowledge. I want people to remember me as someone who built community and uplifting people. And yeah, I, I think that's perfect. If you remember anything else, you can of course, add it on later on as well. Cool, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Z, what do you think your legacy will be? Hmm. Or what do you want it to be? I think that's a better question. There's so many things. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like Amber, I want, I want my legacy to be outside of academia. Um, mm -hmm. I'm working to make my research into a company that I'm hoping to like grow and expand and kind of make a little thumbprint um, on some minds out there in a, in a statistical way, <laughs> getting mm. statistical numbers. Um, so I think kind of at the heart of, I'm, I'm so focused on play. Play is so important uh, for brain development, for health, for connection and community. So I think about play a lot. And I definitely like the feeling I want to leave people when I leave a room is kind of like, Ah, I feel like I just played a like a fun game, like that kind of feeling. Like mm. I was I was yeah. challenged, and I I got a lot of dopamine and feel good, <laughs> so, like, like that on a bigger scale. And I think uh, when it comes to like my work and what I want that impression to be, it's that science, technology, engineering, math is all these are tools, and whatever tools we make shape us, and we shape them, and it's like this reciprocal thing. And so mm -hmm. STEM can be whatever you want it to be. It can be whatever you make it to be. And mm -hmm. if you are unusual for who the, the type, you have some character trait that is unusual for a STEM professional, you are integral to the process of changing what STEM is and for whom and how. STEM is what you can make it. I want, I want people to, to know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That made me think of one other thing mm -hmm. when you said like STEM can be what you make it. Yeah. And that's also that scientists are more than their science. Scientists yeah. are people too. Mm. 
with multiple identities. I can't separate my identities as a black woman from my identity as a scientist. Mm -hmm. And there are other things that I enjoy doing that influence my science. So just want to also show people that scientists are more than just their science. I love that. And I think that's the perfect way to also summarize this project that you both have worked so diligently on because you are allowing us all to embrace all the uniqueness and the unique qualities that we have. We also have the safe space and community, which is something that you both mentioned. And we also get a chance to share our humanity and show that we as scientists and nature enthusiasts are full creative people with dimension and depth. And I think the legacy that you speak of is already underway through all of the work that you do, and especially through this project that I'm so, so blessed to be a part of. So with that, I will say thank you to you both. Thank you, Dr. Shaz Zamor and future Dr. Amber Wendler. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. So happy to have you as a contributor. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity.